0: first Corinthians chapter 13 I'm going to take the time and we're going to read all 13 verses because <laughs> we'll take a step of faith here and think we're going to get all through all 13 verses I'm hoping and praying today and uh, so let's let's uh, let's read along here first Corinthians chapter 13 though I speak Paul speaking here though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide. Faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Powerful, powerful chapter. Not sure if I told you, but 1 Corinthians is one of my favorite books. And when we get to this chapter, it is probably one of the most challenging of all chapters in the Bible. Because we have to look in the mirror clearly to see, is this speaking of me, Lord? Do I have the love that you speak of? Now, see, we know that the Corinthian church believed in all the spiritual gifts. We've seen that. They oh, they really loved the spiritual gifts. As a matter of fact, they were actually probably, as we have seen over the last several chapters, they were actually taking those spiritual gifts and actually taking them down a path that Paul warned them that they should not be. They were causing division and fractions and all kinds of things within the body. It was not uniting the body like they should. And the spiritual gifts was about what they get out of it and how they benefit and how it makes them feel versus what God has given them a gift or gifts for the body, for others. (laughs) They get the, oh, how we sometimes get things twisted around, don't we? We think it's about us when it really is not about us, it's always about God and others first. And so Paul continues today as we see that their motivation, their attitude behind those gifts and gifts that they knew and understood and they were, they were real, they were prevalent, they were there for that day. And we here at Calvary Chapel believe that the gifts are for today as well. And Paul ends in chapter 12. Of course, there was no chapters, there were no verses when Paul wrote this letter. But just before we started in this part of the letter, he saw at the last part, he says, Paul says that he would show them a more excellent way. There was a more excellent way than these spiritual gifts that he was talking about. And that is love. The more excellent way is love, to choose love agape love as we see in the greek it's agape love and agape love is to be central in the working of the gifts within his people and that's what paul will highlight today love is a way it is not a gift love is the fruit of the holy spirit in our lives and it is not love for and it is not love for god or love for others then it will be only about you And so as we look at this, we must look and understand that God doesn't want us to focus on us, but to focus on him and others. Paul here highlights this Greek word love nine times, this word agape, nine times in 13 verses of this chapter. So take note as we study the scriptures verse by verse, when you see God repeating things, take serious note and make sure that you and I are applying that. Now, the ancient Greek words for love, there's four different words that we can translate love. How many words is it in the English word for love? How many times do we see love in the English, in the English word? It's not a trick question. <laughs> Once, right? I love my cat. I love food. I love my wife. And I, hopefully we aren't comparing our cat and our wife and food at the same, same level of love, Right? Yeah, are you with me? Come on, guys. Hell, hell, amen? You're tracking with me, right? <laughs> that would be a really bad conversation. I love my, you know, no, I, we'll go down that path. Let me, back here to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So, but we, in the Greek word, we see there's four different words that are used for the word love. We had the first word is eros, which is, a, we get our English word erotic, or what we refers to as sexual love. It describes that sexual erotic love between a husband and a wife. There's also a storge, that's the second word for love, and it refers to a family love. You love your family, you have your your child, your parent, you you have this love of a storge between you. Then you have the phileephae. Which is the Philadelphia, we get the word Philadelphia from, or brotherly love. That's a love that is between two people, like a spiritual brother, a spiritual sister. There's a, a love that speaks such, a, such a, a, an affection and such deepness and friendship. And this love of deep friendship and partnership is, is so deep, it's even more than family love. And then you have agape. This is the fourth word, and the fourth word for love, and that is what Paul uses nine times through this text. And it's a love that loves without changing. It is a self-giving love that gives without demanding. It's a love that is that, is, that has you just freely give without any expectation in return for repayment. I love you, why don't you love me back? I love you, why didn't you give me back? That is not agape love. It is a love so great that it can be given to the unlovable and unappealable people. God showed and demonstrated that agape love when he went to the cross, when we were still sinners and had nothing to do with Him. he went to the cross to die because he loves you that much. Agape love, unconditional love. A love without changing. It doesn't change based on feelings. It doesn't change based on the weather. It doesn't change based on how they responded to you or did not respond or did not give to you. You seem to be only the one pouring out. They do seem to be nothing in return. But that doesn't change the love of agape love that God has given you. Because he's given it to you. You and I can have and stir up that erotic love. You and I can stir up the family love. You and I can stir up and arrange for brotherly love. But you cannot and I cannot stir up agape love. That is only by given by God. And it's called maturing in your Christian faith. And as you mature, that agape love will be, the fruit of the spirit will be developed in your life. And you can go back to Galatians 5 uh, verse 22 and read the fruit of the spirit which is love. And then you can see all the facets, the byproducts of that. But it's agape love is a selfless love, a sacrificial love. It's a sacrificial or giving love, absorbing kind of love. It has little to do with emotion. And it has so much to do with self-denial for the sake of another. Agape love gives and gives and gives and loves because it wants to, not because you have to. And we want that love, do we not? We do want that love, do we not? We want to mature in our faith and our relationship with God that his love, the agape love, just pours through and fills our lives. And we're able to love those that are, are little pork, little porcupines, a little prickly to touch at times. But you could still love them. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I need lots of people around me who are filled with the agape love because I'm hard to love. We're not perfect, are we? God's doing a good work, and he's faithful to complete that work. Now in verse 1, we see he starts off, Paul says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not this agape love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. So if you don't have this agape love, even though you may have The incredible gifts that God has given you supernaturally, naturally, you're speaking in tongues, you're interpreting tongues, you have prophecy, your knowledge and all the wisdom, all these things we've been studying. But if it's without love, we see in verse 1, regardless of the gift you have been given, if it's without love, we will be irritating to others. Look at them verse 1. Paul says, I can speak in tongues, I can do all these things, but I just become sounding brass and clanging cymbals. It is just ding, 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 ding. And, it, you know, it's one of the things you love to do as probably a grandparent, I can't wait for that day, when your parents say, oh, we look at little Johnny, look at little Amy, she wants to play an instrument. Great, grandparents, go out and get your drums for them. Just have them bang those drums all day long when they're... It can be irritating when they're not doing it right with the right heart and maybe method and rhythm. But even though they got that drum, guess what happens as they mature is then it produces beautiful music from them. Those same set of drums. Because they've been changed. Yes, you've been given the gift and gifts, but without love, you're just irritating to people becomes very hard to be around to hear what you have to say or because it's not with love that is the key see the corinthians were enamored by the spiritual gifts especially the gifted tongues there are people in, this, in, in churches around that believe you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved, and all these meaningless, these things are going on, and they force, and they teach, and all these things we've been teaching about, but it's not without, it's without love. And it becomes confusing. God, people look and say, what's happening? Are they drunk? What's going on with these people? It just, there's just not a, a sense of love. In verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so powerful that he can remove mountains, but have not love. It says right here, Paul says, I am nothing. Even though you have these incredible gifts that God has given you, but without love, we will be nothing. There's nothing there to hold on to. There's, there's nothing to, to look back at. It, absolutely it, with all these miracles, they'll be irrelevant apart from agape love. See, the Corinthians and uh, Christians in the in Corinth miss the motive and the goal of the gifts. Why God gave them the gift or gifts. They made getting the gift or the gifts their goal, their achievement, their badges of honor. Look at this gift. I have this gift. What gifts do you have? Oh, you don't have that gift. They had completely a motive was wrong. It was a selfish motive. Versus looking and saying, God, by his grace, is even thinking about using me in the lives of other people. That is amazing to me. And that out of love, you want to help others. You want to please your God with what he's doing. And it's to build up, the gifts are to build up the church, to build up the body, to encourage the body. And so Paul is drawing attention back to the love, back to this agape love that comes from God if they will allow God to work in their life. Paul here is quoting the same kind of idea of what Jesus quoted and said and refers to the faith which could be removed mountains in Matthew 17, 20. What an amazing thing it would be to have faith that could work the impossible. But imagine someone given the gift of faith so powerful that they can move a mountain, but if they do not do it with love, you know what would happen? They would drop the mountain on someone. They would block another person. Oh, I'm gonna get ahead. I'm gonna put the mountain just right so I can get ahead of someone. See, they would, without love, you'll use that inappropriately of the gift or gifts he's given you. It's not an issue between love versus gifts. We should never in the church be forced between love and the gifts. God gives us this agape love. God gives, the Holy Spirit gives the the gifts to his people. But the emphasis, the focus, the goal of the gifts is love, not the gifts for their own sake. And I hope you get that clear. And in verse 3, we see another aspect that Paul wants to get across. If, If you don't do it without love, he says, even though I bestow... I give all my goods to feed the poor, and though I g- even give my body to be burned, sacrificed. But have not love, it profits me zero, nothing. It profits me, it's worthless. It's profitless. But Corey, I've sacrificed. I've sacrificed. You don't believe the hours I've done for people and, and used my gifts for the church and the. But did you do it in love? Did you do it with the right heart? Were you looking for something in return? Were you trying to get ahead? Were you trying to to, to be known? Or were you really just did it out of love? Because you were compelled by God to do it. Paul says here, "If, if without love we are profitless, you can give all that you want. Remember the rich ruler? He came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, verses 19 through 23. And the rich man came and said, oh, how can I be saved? What can I do? He says, you give everything away. Whoa, that's asking a lot here. That's not what I was asking. Isn't there a different way? You know, he says, there's only, there's only the most excellent way. And that is to love, that is to die of self and to live for others. And so, but even if the rich young ruler had done exactly what Jesus said and went back and gave his wealth away, what would happen if he does not do it in love? It would still profit him nothing. He would be profitless. Okay, I got a checklist. God says I have to do this. Okay, I did it. Okay, next checklist, next checklist. Okay, I've done the checklist. What do I get today behind door number one? That's how people live their Christian life. But that's not scriptural, my friends. As you mature in your, in your relationship with Christ, he matures you and he produces a fruit called agape love in your life and you just freely give because you love God that much and God has put a love for others that much on you that you're willing to sacrifice. You're willing to give. Yes, as Paul says, I might even if I give my body to be burned, Even if I sat there and gave all my time. If you don't do it in love, it will be profitless. There are some early Christians so arrogant as to think that the blood of martyrdom would wash away any sin. They were so proud about their ability to endure suffering for Jesus. You realize when I went to prayer, I was on my knees, and they were bloody and bruised, and I crawled on that cement for uh, for miles for God, and I want to endure the suffering for God. Like that's going to somehow wash away any sin. They were so proud of their ability to endure that suffering, even though there was, the, the most important thing in a Christian life was to somehow, you're supposed to suffer for Christ. Yes, we all will suffer. Yes, we will face persecution. Yes, we know these, we see them in Scripture. But that's not the most important thing. Because without love, it profits me Nothing. Many Christians believe that Christian life is all about sacrifice. Some people will not come to Christ because I will have to give up. You don't understand. I don't want to give up this. I don't want to give this. I to, I'm going to be poor and I'm going to be destitute. They're going to send me to some remote island or some in the middle of a jungle. I can't give my life to Christ. I like my life. Where in the scripture do you see that? He just says, come to me by faith. Now, don't get me wrong. Once you start a relationship with Christ, and he's your master, he's your Lord, then we're just obedient servants to do whatever he's called us to do. And you know why? No, why? No, (laughs) because he loves you agape love he'll never ask you to do something as a child of his to do anything that is not good and great regardless of how you feel regardless of your emotion of regardless of their fighting your way they just might send you to the north country guess what it is love because he knows what is good and right for you and he sends you to the north country I had to go through that battle. Trust me. In California, you're setting me to. We're setting us to the North Country. What is the North Country? What is New York? You know. <laughs> but Gus says, "I love you, and I've got great things for you as a son of mine." And do I really believe that? That he loves me unconditionally? Do I really believe and trust in him? And when you do, you watch great things happen. In and through your life, that you will be amazed. And we've experienced it six years now here with you. Now, each thing described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, here in the first three verses, are good things. Tongues are good, prophecies are good, knowledge is good, faith is good, sacrifice is good. But love is so valuable, so important. It is the key, it's the foundation. And apart from that, every other thing is profitless if you're not able to do it in love. Now, we see in verse 4, we're going to see in verse 4 through several verses here, 15 results of this agape love or 15 byproducts of what this agape love looks like. Take note. The first one is, and right here in in verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. So we see the very first two aspects of love. Suffers long means long-suffering. God's agape love, that if you have God's agape love, you will be long-suffering in and around what goes on in your life. That means patience. And when we see this, these two words are action words. They're not lofty concepts. These are actions that God says, this will be a result in your life. You will have long-suffering. You will see kindness. So the very first two of the byproducts of love is these two. Now, long-suffering, love will endure a long time. It's a heart shown in God when He said to, uh, when he, it is said of the Lord. He says in 2 Peter 3, 9, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So thank God he waited for me and for you. Can you imagine if he came back when you were in your sin and you did not give your life to Christ? I couldn't imagine when he, if he would have come back in my 20s. I would be in hell. So I'm thankful that his love is long-suffering. Yes, there are days where we say, oh, Lord, you come back today. And we we're in with a great anticipation that he can come back and take us and rapture us out of here. But at the same time, we know so many people in our lives that are not saved yet. Lord, if you're long-suffering, we pray and the, our loved ones will get saved before you come back but we want to have that same thing because so many times we work with people and our family and our friends and my mom and dad I know are right there that I pray for long suffering because my mom and dad's not saved yet. So I am willing to do whatever it takes to wait for the Lord's return so that my mom and dad get saved. And they're in their 80s. Sometimes you will only tolerate someone for I'll give them one more week. One more year, one more time, and that is. But in God's agape love, that's not long-suffering. That's conditional. Agape love is unconditional. But we see that God's agape love is in us. We will show long-suffering to those who annoy us and hurt us. But pastor, you don't understand. I understand to know that God understands and that God can strengthen you and give you that love, agape love, to help. Love is kind. It means gracious, pleasant. And we, when we have and show God's love, it will be seen in the simple acts of kindness. Kindness leads to Repentance. God showed kindness to you and I that caused us to want to repent, to change, to turn around and follow Him. Can you imagine if He wasn't kind? Imagine if He wasn't long suffering? Where would you be? That's the question, isn't it not? Is what we are doing today or yesterday or tomorrow, is it in the name of righteousness? But we're doing, I'm doing it in righteousness. This is what God wants. But did you do it in kindness? A wonderful measure of kindness is, is to see how children receive us. Because when you come to any child, a child won't tolerate or re- receive anyone or from anything or respond to anyone who's unkind to them. Children immediately re- retract if they have a sense that you're not being kind. We want kindness to bear fruit, to be seen in our lives. Verse, the next one, we'll see eight things that love is not. Love does not envy. Not envious. We're, love, if, if, if there's envy in your life, that is not, that's not agape love. Envy is not its heir. It's not, there's no jealousy. There's no covetousness in someone's life. When you have God's love, you will not envy. And that envy is very dangerous. Envy is one of the least productive and most dangerous of all sins. Did you know that? Think about that. Think about it. Is envy a small thing or a big thing? Well, some people say, ah, it's a big deal. Oh, it is a big deal. Because envy, look at envy murdered Abel in Genesis 4, verses 3 through 8. Envy enslaved Joseph in Genesis 37, 11, and 28. Envy put Jesus on the cross. And we see that in Matthew 27, 18. For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. So if there's envy in our life, we do not have that agape love. God is still working your life and he needs to mature you so that enviness will, will go away from your life. So not envious. Love is not envious. Fourth one, love does not parade itself. It's not proud. It doesn't boast. It doesn't brag. It doesn't embellish. Love in action can work anonymously. It means that you can do these things without having to be known that you've done it. You don't have to have the limelight. You don't have to have the attention. You don't need to know that I and be, be, be boosted up by people seeing you so you can say, "Oh, good job, good job, good." No, that is not the love. That's not Godly love. Love gives because it loves to give, Not out of a sense of pr- praise. Or show off. Fifth one is love is not puffed up. Agape love is not arrogant. It's not envious. It's not, it's not proud. It's not arrogant. You, you, you don't, you don't ha- there's a pride. This puffed upness is, is this arrogance or self focus? Like I've achieved and I am in something of importance. That's not agape love. It speaks of someone with a big head and love doesn't get swelled up. Because you focus on others and not yourself. Both pride in itself and to be puffed up are simply rooted in pride. And there's different prides. There's this this pride that of spiritual pride. There's this pride of face or, of, or obnoxiousness. There's a pride of race, which is vulgar. But the worst pride is the pride of grace. Like you have this religious presence of, of, of boasting how grace, in a, in a selfish way. See, 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We see another warning. We see it in Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Remember, pride goes before destruction, before the fall. So God says, "No, the pride is got to go. If you have pride, that is that is not a love. God still needs to work on you and mature you and work those things out of you. You just keep showing up regardless of how you feel." Number six is love does not behave rudely. It's not rude. It's Not obnoxious. Where there is love, there will be kindness and good manners. Not some stuffy, proper nose-up, air-kinded properness. No. There's a humbleness. There's a kindness, a gentleness that comes in their manner. It's not a refined culture. But a simple way people do not behave rudely. We're not rude. But Corey, you don't understand. <laughs> that dude to cut me off and I had a bigger truck than he had that little, little car. And I, no, we're not going to be rude. We're not going to go chase him. We're not going to be sending some non-verbals his way. That, that's just not what you do. Now some have some really powerful eyes. All you have to do is give them the eye and, and it's, woo. But that's not, Agape love. Number seven, love does not seek its own. It's not clickish. It doesn't demand that people come and gather around in a clickish format here. Paul communicated the same idea in Romans 12.10. In honor, giving preference to one another. It's not about you. Philippians 2.4 carries that same thought. Let each of you look out not only for your, his own interests, but also the interests of others. It's about being other centered, not self centered. And that is agape love when you're other centered. You can see it. If people say, I don't know if I have agape love. Well, look at here. We're on number seven. How is your name fitting in with that, you know, that, 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 that sentence? Number eight love is not provoked, it's not touchy, poking others. You find it easy to provoke, to be provoked, or to become irritated with those who are just plain annoying. Not here, (laughs) other places work, but never here. (laughs) But it is a sin to be provoked. It isn't love. Ask Moses. Moses was kept out of the promised land because he became provoked at the people of Israel. Numbers chapter 20, verses 2 through 11. It brought him to a point where he smacked, smacked the rock again. Remember that? And that kept him from going to the promised land. So if you think, oh, I don't need to be, I'm touchy and be provoked. If you think that's a minor thing, it caused a man not to go to the promised land. So don't provoke. Number nine, love thinks no evil. It's not suspicious. It does not keep track of evil from others. There is a sense of forgiveness. You don't have to sit there and track them and watch them and be critical spirit about them. You have a heart of forgiveness. It literally means love does not store up the memory of any wrong it has received. Oh, I don't know about you, but that is very difficult. Apart from the Holy Spirit, you cannot and I cannot do that. To not keep track of what people have hurt you and to forgive them, and then I keep it written down. Oh, I don't have bitterness. Oh, I don't, I forgive them. I do, but let me open up the top drawer of your desk and you see the listing of the things you've kept in your mind. Agape love thinks no evil, love will put away the hurts of the past instead of clinging and holding on to them, because it results in resentment and bitterness, and you will be harmed, not the other person. Number 10 is love does not rejoice in iniquity. It's not happy with evil. It is willing to want the best for others, to refuse, and it refuses to paint things against others. Instead, love rejoices in the truth. That's number 11. When that dude just cuts you off, if you have agape love at that moment, if you've been matured in your faith, you're not going to sit there and say, God, oh, make sure they get a flat tire, God, get a police officer right up there, catch that guy, you know. That's thinking evil. Instead, you say, God, protect everyone around us. Change that man's heart that he would slow down and not be so reckless to cause harm to others. What response do you take when you're cut off? It's just, a, just an indicator, right? Number 11 was rejoices in the truth. We rejoice what truth? The good news of Jesus Christ. That's the truth that he died for the sin of the world. And he died for you, even though you and I didn't deserve it. But as a god love, still, he went to the cross for you. Verse 7, we see four more things that love is. Love is, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, I don't know about you, the word all things, four times... Ooh, that's hard. I, I, can, I, can, I can bear some things with some people. I can, I can believe some things. I can hope for some things, and I can hope I can endure some things. But you're telling me that agape love, it's in my life, and it's immature to that agape love, that I am going to bear and, and believe and hope and endure in all things? All means what? All Not hand selected. (laughs) We're like, oh, I want all these apples. Let me just pick the ones I want. I've got all the apples. No, no, no. It's all the apples, not just what you want to pick. Now that requires God's supernatural fruit to bear in your life to be able to do this. Number 12 is love bears all things, it means strong. Love is strong. The word bears can be also translated covers. So Paul brings this important truth here in 1 Peter 4.8. He says, and above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Are you, in your life, God has worked in you to allow you to be strong enough That you would recognize that Jesus, Jesus' love, will cover a multitude of sins? Not only in your own life, but a life of someone maybe close to you? Has God given you the ability supernaturally to cover and not hold that evil against someone? Because if it's a fervent love, this agape love for one another, the love will cover a multitude of sons. Love covers, it never proclaims the errors of good men. You won't go out and gossip, you're not going to go out and slander, you're not going to use it to justify your emotions. Because God has given you a love that bears all things. Number thirteen, love believes all things. Believing, not only is it strong, love is strong, it, it, but love is believing. We never believe in a lie, but we'll never, but we never believe evil unless the facts demand it. We choose to believe the best of others. Oh, I know. Some of you say that goes completely against my. Th- I don't trust. Show me. I, I in God, I trust everyone else. I show ID. And i got one eye on you and the other one's like, okay, I don't trust you. But agape love, there's a, there's a, a belief And to look at the best of others. Because you want to believe that God is doing the work in them because he's, God is so faithful to finish that work in them. They're just not arrived yet. You and I haven't arrived yet. And then we see number 14, love hopes all things. It's hopeful. Love is hopeful. It's strong. It's believing. It's hopeful. Love has a confidence in the future, not pessimism. When, when, when hurt and you've been hurt to your core, it does not say it will be this way forever and even get worse. Oh, it'll never change. She'll never change. The situation doesn't change. The job will never No, you have to understand that God's love is going to give you a hope that believes that God is in control of your life. And nothing touches your life unless it's been Father filtered first. And then he was using it to refine you. To be that man and that woman that he so, he died on the cross for that man, that woman, he is doing a work in it. And he brings us through all kinds of things that are his ways are not our ways. So we would have never chosen certain paths that he took us down to be able to refine us. And we may not understand it but God is we put our hope in God and his promises and that's why we can be hopeful in our day-to-day walk with him. And number 15, love endures all things. It's enduring it remains, it stays, it's steadfast. Most of us can bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, but only for a while. And apart from that agape love that God is bringing, bringing into your life, that you will then be able to keep and bearing and believing and hoping and not giving up. It destroys enemies by turning them into friends, not to try to have God torch them and get rid of them. But God changed their heart been hurt so much, I want you to change their heart, Lord. Because I know that's what you want for that man, for that woman, for my children. I know you have a hand on my children, and as rebellious as they seem to be. I know, as a praying mom, you're working, even though I don't see. Do you have that hope? Do you, are you willing to endure? Are you willing to stand fast in God's love for that person? You must, my brothers and sisters, you must. For the sake of your loved ones, you must stay enduring. Allow God to give you that enduring of all things. Because love sees more. It is willing to see less. The more you're willing to love, the allow God's love, of God to be loved, the less you see of the faults of people, the less you forget the things they've done to you, the less the shortcomings they are. We need to see the price that was paid on the cross of Calvary for that person. We must know that God died for that situation. Yes, it makes you mad. Yes, it makes you sad. Yes, it makes you bitter. But remember, Jesus made a commitment when he died for them. That he was never going to forgive, uh, forget to continue to move in that person's heart to bring them to salvation. He wants none to perish. So, don't give up on them because God hasn't given up on them. It's always the question is, to, is always, Pastor, but how do I exhibit that kind of love? How can I get that in my life? How can it come about to that? I want that so desperately. And the only way it is to let Jesus Christ live, live it through your life. Let Jesus live through your life. Do not do not suppress, do not uh, to, 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 to get in the way of what God wants to do through your life and in your life. For he is the embodiment of these characters that we just talked about, these 15 characters. He wants to work them into your life and through your life. So choose to walk with the Lord daily. Choose to talk with the Lord daily. Choose to learn about the Lord daily. And his spirit produces this character in you and me. And it will ever be so slowly. But you know for sure it is being done in your life. It's not a microwave moment, I know. There's a long crock-pot moment. I just came up with that one. I couldn't remember. <laughs> I must be hungry, ready for the potluck, the picnic already. <laughs> I think this is why Paul put this chapter in between chapters 12 and 14 of the gifts. Because he knows how crazy we can get with these gifts and the abilities and the eagerness to charge the hill for God. But just make sure we're doing it in love—a love that He produces in you and I. And then finally, we'll wrap up here. We see love is perfect, a permanence of love. Love never fails. See, Paul addresses the overemphasis of the, Christian, the Corinthian Christians had on the gifts of the Spirit. He shows that they emphasize love; they should be emphasizing love more than the gifts, because the gifts are temporary. They're they're just containers of God's work. Love is the work itself. And the Holy Spirit works those gifts in in and through our lives at appropriate time and appropriate uh, appropriate situation. But they are not permanent. They are imperfect gifts for an imperfect time. While we live here in this earth, on this earth. So the question is: Yes, there's prophecies. They're going to fail. Yes, people are going to have gifts of tongues, and, and they're going to cease. And yes. God has given them the, the knowledge, but it was going to vanish away because it's just in part; they're just for this to, a, a short period of time. But in verse ten, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. What is this? What this reference Paul is here is what is perfect. Paul says that that which is perfect has come then the gifts will be discontinued. But what is that? What is that perfect? Some believe, they believe that the miraculous gifts ceased with the apostles as it refers to the completion of the New Testament, but they are wrong. Virtually all commentators agree that which is perfect is fulfilled when we are in the eternal presence of the perfect one. When we are with the Lord forever either through the return of Christ or the graduation to the eternal. See, the, word, the Greek word here for perfect is telos, which is considering the way the New Testament uses telos in other passages, we can see very consistently it's talking and speaks about the coming of Jesus Christ. And you can go back to 1 Corinthians 1.8, 1 Corinthians 15.24, James 5.11, Revelation twenty verse five verse 7 Revelation 21 verse 6 Revelation 22 13 I give you those because you can go back and listen I'm sure you probably didn't write those down quick enough but to know that God gives us the gift of gifts for the body but when he takes us home we all no longer need those gift or gifts because we're going to be in his presence we'll be in his fullness in his presence there will be no need for the gift or gifts No need for tongues. No need for the knowledge. These are important things to understand because there are some really great Bible teachers out there that would tell you that the gifts are not for today. But I have studied the scriptures. I don't see that. I don't see where God says, I'm stopping the tongues now. I'm stopping this. I'm stopping that. It's a fascinating conversation I have with some. They'll say, tongues are not for today. Miracles are not for today. They'll go on and on. But I say, well, is the gift of teaching, is that a gift? Yeah, teaching's a gift. Is pastoring a gift? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then why do you hold on to those gifts, but then you discard those other gifts? You like the ones that you know you have, (laughs) but you discount the other ones. Where do you see that in scriptures? Help me. I don't. That's why we teach that. God has still given the gift and gifts of all those gifts to exercise in the body, to help the body, to build up the body. But once we are raptured out of here and we're in the presence of God, again, no need. It was just temporary at that point in time. Verse 11. "When When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. We're now going to talk about maturity in your faith. Love is mature. A spiritual maturity and we see that he uses, Paul uses as a child. Yes, as a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, childish things are appropriate for children, are they not? No, parents. If you have a child, let them have childish things. It's okay. They, within reason, it's not going to you know, hurt or harm them and be detrimental to them. It, you know they're gonna they're gonna play, they're gonna build that that anticipated arc. That and you're looking go, what is the arc? Well, stop playing your imagination. No, 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 let them play, build the tents, have the fun. I don't encourage gaming at all. Just so you know, someone asked me a few times. And I just want to make sure I let you all know. So, which leads to a whole another conversation with adults playing with. Video games. But we won't hold that one too. But it does say, put away childish things. But for now, we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also know. So not only is love mature, but love is clear. See, back in those days, Corinth was a very uh, place that created and made things out of brass. Now, it wasn't until much later in, in, in years that we even had mirrors even developed. So what they had is brass that they polished really well to be able to look and to see. So, but they're dim. They're not bright and clear like mirrors are for us today. But they, they, so he refers to the fact that when you become and you come, there's a love that's being bare in your life. You will mature. You're going to put away and stop talking like and acting like and doing things like some child. You're going to be a mature. You're going to be a man. You're going to be a woman. Doing adult things, self control. And, yes, when you're a child, things seem to be dim. Things not, seem to be clear. Seem, you're not sure what to do, and you're not sure where to go. And you need those parents to help guide you and have boundaries, letting children just roam and have free love and do whatever they want. They're going to stray people. The, the Scripture is very clear. They're going to walk away from the things of God. They will go into the world and into the flesh and the pride of life. So you have to have parents who are going to have boundaries. And and they're the ones, you're in charge of the house, not the kids. Because they see dimly. They don't have clarity. They're not going to do things out of love. They're going to do things out of selfishness. And as they mature, they will then come face to face and they're going to see things clear. They're going to see things the way they should be according to the ways of God. And so it's a very, very important that you and I as, 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 as adults to grow in that love of, of Christ so that that gappy love will bring clarity in your walk, to bring clarity in your actions, clarity in what you think and how you speak. Because if you're dim. If you're still acting childish, we we continue to pray that God will do a work in you so that that agape love will bear fruit in that way, that we'll see maturity, that we'll have clarity. And verse 13, and now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. See, love abides forever. All these gifts are going to go. But love, his love is going to abide forever. Love is great. And we see, and I can spend all, whole just teaching on this alone. But just bear with me here on this because I don't want to lose the importance of this. And that, what is your co- Christian life focused on? That's the question I have for you. What is your Christian life focused on? What do you really want more of? It should all come back to faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these three is love. Do you see the, the movement here? It starts with faith. Faith looks to the past, looks back, and faith tells me Jesus came for me. Do I have that faith? Do I believe that Jesus came to this earth for me? God took on flesh for me. And if I believe that, then I am, that faith allows me to embrace what Jesus did for me on that cross of Calvary. Faith reminds me that my sins are forgiven. And therefore, I don't have to worry about or be haunted by my past. As I counsel, there are many people who are, are held back of their faith growing and trusting in Jesus Christ and what he did for them on the cross and forgiveness because they cannot believe and trust that a loving God would forgive them. They cannot let the past go. They just carry that like baggage into every relationship and God's relationship with God and relationship with everybody and just brings the past right with them. Stenching clothes and all. They don't realize that God has retaken and removed the filth and has given you clean clothes. You're as white as snow you've been forgiven. That's faith. That allows you then to go to the next, which is what society does not have because they have no faith. They will not have hope. Hope is looks to the future, looks ahead. And hope tells me Jesus is coming. Jesus came for me and Jesus is coming back for me. And when you have that solidified in your mind hope reminds me that I don't have to be upset or uptight or worry about the future. He has it all planned for me. He's preparing a place for me. This is a vacation gone bad and I can't wait to get to heaven. Do you have that hope? Because if you do not have that hope Based on the faith of what Jesus has already done for you, then you are suffering, my brothers and sister, and I want to help you. I want you to be t- spend time with you in the Word of God because I t- want to show you the love of Jesus through these pages. And if you have faith, you've dealt with the past. You have hope. You are so looking forward, soon and very soon, for the future. Then. You will look and you will see that love looks to the present around you. You will look at the around you and love tells me Jesus is here with me. Love frees me from the present. It frees me, right? And in my midst of what's going on in my life right now, Jesus is with me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. And as he does that, he loves me. And because he loves me, I want to love him. And as I love him, he works through me. And I'm able to then, God empowers me to have that agape, unconditional love for others. And I will love him. And I'll love others. And I will have a heart to reach the lost. Those who are not saved. Why? Because I want them to have the same faith. I want them to have the same hope. And I want that love to bear in their lives. See, because a person who lacks faith will not be able to love in the present because he will be paralyzed by the hurts and the sins of his past. A person who lacks hope will not be able to love in the present because he will be too worried about his retirement and lifestyle that he has worked so hard to have it all arranged and strive to obtain. Only the person who has put his past behind him through the power of the cross, only the person who looks forward to the future through the promise of heaven can truly love in the present. There is no other way. It is the most excellent way.